Hello, this is Darrell Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, March 6, 2020. And on today's report, I will be talking about the agreement signed February 29th or last Saturday, 2020, between the Trump administration and officials representing the Taliban in Afghanistan. A better name for this report than Afghanistan Exit. Might be Give Me Three Steps, like the old song by Leonard Skinner, but that wouldn't help me. On Google, the Goog has to be satisfied, first of all. It would probably be incorrect to call this a peace deal, since it is a deal which simply allows the U.S. to leave Afghanistan. Peace? Well, maybe. Maybe there will be peace after U.S. troops leave, but if so, would be very unusual for Afghanistan, unusual for 40 consecutive years and unusual for the last 200 years of that country, Afghanistan, continually at war for all those years, at least two generations without a single break. Nevertheless, after 19 years of U.S. involvement in the war, I certainly welcome the deal that would bring U.S. participation to an end. I wonder if any of you folks have ever been involved in a business deal whereby you were trying to sell an asset which you absolutely had to sell by a certain date. Your opponent in the deal knows you must sell, so the offer he makes will never be what would otherwise constitute a fair price. The buyer, in other words, knows you must sell, and he will take advantage of your weakness. That is, the U.S. position in Afghanistan, especially considering the release of the Afghanistan papers in December and with this being a presidential election year. So the United States signed the deal last Saturday. The deal purports to end U.S. presence in Afghanistan after almost two decades. The agreement has a timetable for the withdrawal of American troops that starts with the current number of 13,000 roughly and reduces that to 8,600 within 135 days, the entire 13,000 must be out within 14 months, according to the agreement. The deal has taken more than a year to complete, with U.S. and Taliban officials periodically starting and stopping negotiations for one reason or another. Apparently, it was negotiated and drafted from the U.S. side by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who was present at the signing but did not sign. Signing for the United States was Special Representative for Afghanistan Reconciliation, Zalmay Khalazad, and for the Taliban, Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, in this agreement, if it were to be completed, then all U.S. troops would eventually be coming home. President Trump hailed the deal as a fulfillment of his promise to get the U.S. out of endless no-win wars. He spoke directly with the Taliban leader by telephone, the first American president, to do so. Let's look at the terms of the agreement. But first, the cost of war after 19 years. You probably remember the early days after 9-11, when there were two forces basically in a civil war in Afghanistan, the Taliban and the Northern Alliance with the Taliban, harsh version of Sharia law actually running the country. The U.S. chose to enter the war on the side of the Northern Alliance, which meant War with the Taliban. The Taliban, essentially, the same group which fought the Russians from 1979 
1989 with U.S. aid, U.S. weapons, U.S. assistance, U.S. money. The Russians suffered 15,000 dead before they finally withdrew from that struggle. The cost for the United States to this point, 2,400 dead, 20,000 wounded. NATO and non-NATO allied nations have suffered as well, 1,100 dead, 8,000 wounded. The Department of Defense estimates financial cost of the war at $737 billion, but everyone knows that is incorrect. The New York Times, Sunday edition, March 1st, listed at $2 trillion, $2 trillion in this war. That is more accurate than the Department of Defense. If you've been following this war all along, it was and is easy to see the figures add up way beyond what Department of Defense says for the people of Afghanistan. The costs have indeed been high as well. More than 130,000 Afghan civilians dead, along with 29,000 Afghan soldiers and police. Taliban estimates of dead are between 20 and 35,000. The other cost that is not addressed in the deal is that Afghanistan would obviously be getting a new government. The current Afghan government, evolving from the old Northern Alliance and supported militarily and financially by the United States for 19 years, was not even included in the agreement. So the U.S. negotiators drafted an agreement for the government of Afghanistan that did not mention that nation's government. That can only mean that the U.S. knows, publicly admits, that the moment U.S. troops are out, the U.S.-backed government is gone. If I were President Ashraf Ghani, I think I would take a trip to visit my money, visit the billions of dollars I have squirreled away in Dubai's banks, and I would never come back. Failure to mention the Afghan government did cause one sticking point for adoption of the agreement, however. One of the deal-breaker demands made by the Taliban was that 5,000 Taliban prisoners held by the Afghan government would be released after the deal was signed. The Afghan government said, wait a minute, we're not a party to this agreement. They said they would not release the prisoners. The Afghan government said that the U.S. has no authority, no authority, according to President Ghani, to order the prisoners released. So he would not release them. The Taliban said, no deal without their release. So the U.S. will, I'm sure, do what it always does. That is, by their release, regardless of the method, they will be released. You can count on it. The agreement calls for the drawdown of U.S. troops from 13,000 to 8,600 within 135 days and complete withdrawal within 14 months. So let's stop right there for a moment and contemplate that after 19 years of war, 19 years, across three presidential administrations, $2 trillion expended, the best we can get, is a negotiated way to leave. Everything goes back like it was. Everything in Afghanistan is like we were never there. It was rubble then, it's rubble now, except with a lot more dead, all those weird-looking people over there with their weird dress, their weird laws, their weird relationship between men and women, their weird religion, their weird moonscape of a country, just as it was before. That projection is the best-case scenario for Afghanistan. We can't even hope 
to gain from this deal what we gained when we left Vietnam because there's no economy or potential economy as there was in Vietnam. We now have most favored nation trade status with our old enemy, Vietnam, and McDonald's is the Vietnamese number one restaurant. But in Afghanistan, they raise nothing, nothing but opium, apparently. We don't have to wonder what the Taliban want out of this deal because the New York Times published their list of demands on February 20th, 2020. The deputy leader of the Taliban, Sirajuddin Haqqani, wrote the article called What We the Taliban Want. He said they, the Taliban, didn't expect anything to come of the negotiation, but they decided to give it a chance. Give it a chance once more. In his words, these are his words, the long war has had such a terrible cost for everyone that any chance to end it should be taken. Everyone is tired of war. I'm convinced that the killing and maiming must stop. We did not choose this war with the United States, but we were forced to defend ourselves. The withdrawal of foreign forces from Afghanistan is our first and foremost demand. We have worked tirelessly for over 18 months to bring this agreement about, despite the intensifying bombing campaign by the United States against our villages, and despite the constantly moving goalposts of the American side, we Afghans suffer the most if the war continues. So even when President Trump called it off, we kept the talks going. We are aware of the concern in and out of Afghanistan regarding what kind of government Afghanistan will have. Our answer is that it depends. It depends on the consensus of the Afghan people. We are confident that liberated from foreign domination, we can find a way to build an Islamic system where all have equal rights. The rights of women to education and to work are protected. There are warmongering groups on all sides of this war, and it is not in our best interest to allow those groups to prevail and disrupt the peace process. We will take all necessary steps to ensure that the new Afghanistan is a bastion of stability. No group feels threatened on our soil. I am confident that if we can reach an agreement with our foreign enemy, we can resolve our intra-Afghan problems through talks. The new Afghanistan will not exist in isolation. We will be part of the international community in negotiating this agreement and putting it into force, a degree of trust has been reached between us and the United States. We are fully committed to carrying out every provision of the agreement and thereby earning lasting peace, but it will depend on the United States being equally scrupulous in its observance of the terms of agreement. Those were the words of Deputy Leader of the Taliban, Mr. Haqqani, with some paraphrasing and editing for brevity by me. Pretty impressive statement. Impressive words. It makes one think that real peace just might be possible. The man who wrote that article for the New York Times has probably known nothing but war and bombing, killing, dying. His whole life, it's hard not to believe that he would like to see it come to an end. He addressed in his article the main points of contention and demands of each of the sides, the Taliban want the U.S. gone completely. That means civilian contractors as well as military. They want their prisoners released by the Afghan government, and they believe they can handle the rest. The U.S. wants an exit strategy with certain provisions. 
the Taliban must do what it can to prevent groups such as Al-Qaeda and ISIS from setting up bases from which to attack the West. The U.S. is also concerned about the influence of China, Russia, and Iran once U.S. troops are gone. Finally, the U.S. believes it must express concern for the rights of Afghan women. All these things were addressed by the agreement. Mr. Khakani mentioned them in his article. The one thing not addressed by his article, but which is mentioned in the agreement, is a reference to, quote, secret annexes, end quote. These are apparently items that the sides agree to, but for one reason or another, they will not make public. That says CIA to me loud and clear. It probably requires some form of CIA continued presence in Afghanistan after the main terms of the agreement are completely complied with. Interesting as well is the fact that the agreement does not require the Taliban to stop attacking the Afghan government. It is obvious that the Afghan government could not survive a week without U.S. military and financial support. So I guess the intent is to let it appear to be irrelevant. Will the U.S. remove sanctions against the Taliban and stop intervening in the affairs of the Taliban? Maybe, maybe, but I'm not sure from the face of the agreement. Perhaps it appears in one of the secret annexes. According to the New York Times, this agreement is widely seen by the Taliban as a great victory. Once again, a ragtag bunch of civilian fighters fought the world's greatest military to a standstill, forced it to abandon $2 trillion and thousands of dead. It's an old story, an old storyline now, a determined enemy fighting on its home turf with its own sacred soil under its feet, can bring the world's greatest high-tech power to the point of asking for terms, the Taliban negotiator said that the Sheridan Hotel in Doha, Qatar, where the deal was signed, would become a great monument of history. In conclusion, as far as the United States is concerned, Afghanistan is hopeless. There is, never was, anything to gain worthy of the cost in Afghanistan. It's hopeless. It is a hopeless seventh-century land mired in and dominated by a medieval religious movement that cannot allow any progress. Growing opium, raising goats is about the best the Afghans can do. That's why the words of Mr. Haqqani were so encouraging. There is a tone to his words that says... These people are trying desperately to change 200 years of history and build a country that is more than just a battleground for foreign armies. I wish them all the best in their quest to do that. In the meantime, I certainly hope that not one more American dies in that forgotten land. Not everyone wants peace, however. Just last night, 20 Shiites were killed in an attack. That attack could have been to disrupt the peace process or just a resumption of 1,200 years of Shia-Sunni hatred. Afghanistan is lost. We'll never be able to find it. Finally, folks, three presidents, three presidents now share the guilt of this debacle. There's plenty of blame to spread around. I could draft an acceptable agreement that does the same thing as this agreement in two minutes. How about this? We want to leave, and if, you, we, if we can do so safely, We'll give you money and pretend none of the last 19 years have actually happened. What about that for agreement? And then, just give me three steps toward the door. Give me three steps, mister. You won't see me no more. 
Well, I apologize to the group, Leonard Skinner. At least that's the way I see it, folks. Till next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.